0: Hey, we got to go. Mary's giving me the stink eye. As I've told you, in the Orthodox liturgy, this is true. Uh, in the Orthodox liturgy, there is actually a liturgy to take, take off the evil eye. Do you know that? If, you're, if your next door neighbor puts the evil eye on you, the Orthodox actually have a liturgy to take it off. So Mary, I'm untouchable. Take Take that. La-da-da. Mary, I know you are, but what am I? There you go, right back at you. All right, there you go, okay. Uh, happy Mother's Day. I just got to get that out of the way. I'm happy Mother's Day, Kirby. Good to see you this morning. All right. Happy Mother's Day. You can't say that too often, but if you don't say it, you can't live it down. So you want to say that right now. Bigger than Christmas and Easter it is. So um, you know what? And I was looking at the, you notice the icon that Pastor Bukes put up has the Blessed Virgin Mother right in the middle, which was very, very nice too. So. And the prayer, you heard the prayer that we all fall after our Mother Mary. Isn't that nice? That's such a nice prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, hear the prayers of your church, the church who waits for you, and grant that the splendor of your glory may shine on us and illumine our hearts, the hearts of your reborn children. Prepare us, by your grace, to receive the Holy Spirit of Pentecost and to live therein, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, so next week's Pentecost, you get to kneel again, that'll be good for you. Uh, let's see, you got questions about anything? I got a thousand things to talk to you about, none of which have to do with the lesson, although I should do the lesson too, because, you know, uh, I don't know, because we should. Uh, Pastor Nelson, uh, Pastor, it was interesting, we had the general pastor's conference, we didn't have the Eucharist on Tuesday and Wednesday. Anyway, Nelson did a great job. There you go, that's all you need to know. <laughs> Just kind of clip that out there, Mary, and make that work better, okay? <laughs> um, so so anyway, um, we got a new vicar assigned. Some of you actually might know him. Marshall Frisk is his name. You might know him because he his wife works for Lutheran Church Charity. She's their graphics person. And they were members in Carol Stream. So weird, this hardly ever happens that you go back where you know people. So there, everybody has given him a good report. I'm sure it'll be just like the other folks. Uh, young family, two kids, I think three and one, four and two, something like that. So there'll be some flip over Old Vic, New Vic. Um, old Vic is doing a great job, well played. You've had a great year. We should say it out loud, last Bible study at least for me. But We're very glad to have you, but don't short time me, okay? You've got to go all the way to July 1. There's a lot to do. <laughs> all right? just, just letting you know, right? Because you need the law and the gospel, buddy, despite what I said about pastoral care. You know what I'm saying to you? Okay, good. Uh, anyway, Old Vic, New Vic, everything's good. Voters' meeting coming up at this very time slot the next two week. It should be fun. Remember, please, to come and just kind of listen. Uh, next week, I think, is primarily information. One of those two has Gretchen Shields' call on it, um, election of officers' budget. The interesting thing about, you know, it's just so interesting about St. John, um, all the ramifications of being younger, which is like being poorer in some ways. So you're going to notice some things like, you know, our expenses are... Our, our giving is more evenly distributed. That's probably good. Uh, there's not as many big givers. That's probably bad. Um, you know, we we sort of we don't spend to the budget. We spend to the revenue stream, so we keep the ink black. It's very interesting, though. What's happened is there's a lot of people 55 and above who are starting to retire, who have done very well, who are very faithful givers. And you know so that means a couple of retirements can influence the budget is like you know 1.6 million plus or minus $100,000 I can't quite remember but one you know that means one or two or three or four givers can influence our you know if somebody retires and moves to Florida who's a good giver two or three of those people can influence um, you know what our budget does that can be a couple hundred thousand dollars you saw this guy um, Tepper the hedge fund dude who moved from New Jersey to Florida did you see this and the state legislature had to go into session because he was 1% of the state budget, this one guy. And it's sort of like, yeah, because you, your taxes are so high and you have a death tax and you have a business tax and you have, have other... And he's like, Florida, sunshine and no state income tax. I mean, it was really, it's really kind of interesting. I mean, you can, this, is, this is a great lesson about, you know, force works until it doesn't work, right? You can force people to do things until you can't force them to do things, so... God bless you. There was just a study out this week that Illinois has the highest cumulative total state taxes. God bless you all. Uh, you know, yeah, it's beautiful to be number one or number 50, depending on how you do your math. Um, hey, ball game, uh, June 17th. You should probably start signing up, buying tickets. John Crow would be the guy. Aaron Zeller would know about it, too. Remember, we bought the deck above the Cougars thing, same as last year, so... Get tickets if um it sold out last year, it'll probably sell out this year. Uh obviously we buy all the tickets up front, so we'd like to not go on the hook for a hundred or whatever tickets that are but anyway, all of that stuff, okay? So questions about anything? Y'all good? All right, so we're just gonna kinda finish up by reading through chapter thirteen of Hebrews. If you have a Bible, open up chapter thirteen. Sorry. Give us some money to Care Net, and that's the reason you are here, because I'm old and I forget stuff. If you put some money in there, you know, you had the baby bottles. Are the baby bottles all back in? If you got, can you still get a baby bottle? Like, say somebody wanted to go home and, like, stick a million dollars in a baby bottle. That would still be possible? So grab a baby bottle, put a million dollars in it, and bring it back. Only one lottery winner in New Jersey. Yeah, right? $427 million. What is 10% of that? So, um, yeah, no, you're sad, but it is what it is. I would love to win the lottery because I simply like to say to the president of the Missouri Senate, hey, if you want it, I mean, if you think it's okay, but if you don't, on principle, I'd give it to the Salvation Army, I suppose, if that's what you really want. <laughs> that's just being sassy. Okay, so um, so here's the thing. You get to the end of Hebrews and you say to yourself, you know, now there's a bunch of stuff where, and this happens often in the epistles, they start to fire things at you. And it can, if, you, if you're not paying attention, it can feel like do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. On the other hand, I would suggest to you that this is the great disagreement with many of the guys who I had in, in seminary. Um, often they would say, you know, you don't need to prescribe good works for people. You just tell them that Jesus loves them and it's all going to work out. You know, that depends a ton on your goodwill and creativity, right? Because what happens is people are just like, oh, Jesus loves me. It's all just going to work out. I think I'll have another martini. You know, that's not exactly how it kind of works out. And you can see that it doesn't work out that way in many of the epistles where you get to the end and they seem to give you this rapid-fire list of things you ought to be doing. Now, if you grow up as a Lutheran with pastors always doing this to you, this is where you know, you're going to curl up in a ball like you're you know, a wet dog and your owner's coming at you with a newspaper. However, if you actually sort of understand all that we've talked about, that Jesus is the one and Jesus is your mediator and you've got a new altar and life is good and he's made a sacrifice and you're a minority status in the world, but it's all going to work out, And we're gonna be different. We're gonna be different. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. This is who we are. One of the great joys that will come to us of being minority staff, its great man. Bill de Blasio in New York, did you see this? Chick-fil-A expanded. I mean, Chick-fil-A, it's this, you know, this Christian juggernaut of fried chicken that people can't stop. So all the far left-wing politicians, you know, and this isn't a left-wing or right wing comment. This is just like being consistent and don't beat up on people for no good reason. They expanded and had another big store, I think, in Manhattan. So the mayor of New York says, don't eat there because those Christians aren't for gay marriage. And so don't eat there. And to, of course, what is the one thing that I want to say to Uncle Bill if I see him? I just want to say, just want to know if you said the same thing about the Muslims and the Orthodox Jews, who you need to run New York City, by the way. I'm just, just curious. Why do you pick the Christians out to beat up on them? Why don't you just say, why don't you lead with, the Orthodox Jews to hold my coalition together, and the Muslims, who have privileged status in many places right now, and then the Christians, who we really don't like. Why don't we just say, I'm off pastrami at all Jewish delis in New York. Why doesn't he say that? I want to hear him say it. Just to be fair, because otherwise I feel like a persecuted class. when well, I don't want to feel that way. God bless America. Okay, so, here we go. I mean, but the, one of the great things about minority status will be, you know, when you start to say things like, This is how God created us. Or just a really simple thing like you have to choose in your life whether you think human beings are good or bad. And that just just naturally good or bad. Are human beings naturally good or naturally bad? You have to choose. The scripture is very clear about old Adam, original sin. We're naturally bad. We're in darkness. We can't see. We can't think. We can't feel. That makes a huge difference on how you live your life. Because if you think that people are naturally sinful then you say, whoa, their ideas aren't going to be very good and they're going to love the wrong things and they're going to have all these behaviors that maybe are not good. But if you think they're naturally good, you just sort of wait for people to get better. Well, read history, okay? Because there's never been any place where it got better. It always... Right? Now, the cool thing will be, you know, if we don't all get, you you know, burned alive, the cool thing will be that we will say... At some point, you'll be a sought-after class because at some point, the pain will be too great in other places. I read the great article. I know I, I, know I keep you awake at night with this. I read, this I, I read an article this week with the title, Sex is Boring, Now What? Right? Which is really an interesting... Now, if you just think about that, that's a very interesting thing given the current culture, which is highly sexualized in every direction. So what's the next thing? Yeah, sex is boring. I mean, we've, we've run it in every direction, I mean, I think... We've run it in every direction now, um, and and so now, now, sex is boring. Now that's going that's a very that's a very interesting philosophical question. Um, you know, w- so what happens next? And in some ways, you know, the church is the answer to the question, which is you're not just you're you're not just engaged by the unbridled expression of your passions. There's actually more to you. So we, we, I mean, we did it last week and I hardly did it. But, oh, it's actually today. Maybe we'd let the marriage bed be held sacred among you, right? Which basically means sex is a good thing. The church has got this so mixed up in so many different directions. You know, sex is this good thing within the proper definition of the gift, right? And so we can't, you know, that's why you have to be so careful how you talk about kids because you can give them exactly the opposite impression. But the, the problem is, is you, sir, if, you, if you've defined everything in this way, if this is all you ever argue about, and believe me, that could be one of the ways of defining American society, I would love to know just the Google count of you know, what people Google up. Like, you know, this old thing about the Internet only succeeded because of pornography? Because that was the early first charge thing. And, you know, true or false, it would be interesting to go back and look at it. I'd love to know that what percentage of Google things have are about sexual content. It would just be very interesting. Anyway, if that's boring now what's the answer? I would say the answer is Hebrews 13. If you have a group of people who live in this way, now you're going to have to live it actually, you can't just talk about it, but if you have a people who live in this way, suddenly, you know, we're going to be restored to this class where people just go, wow, Christians are different. And ask this, if this isn't, a, if this isn't a, a way of talking to your kids about why you should be a Christian, I mean, and they may have to take some bumps and bruises along the way, and if they follow and go in a different direction, When they come back, you know, it's open arms, prodigal son, not shaming, and we knew that would happen, but you made a mistake, and so we love you still. That's got to be the answer. It can't be the, I told you so, and what the heck is wrong with you, right? If we become the kind of place where we absorb people, get it now, this is the Christian life, in their sin, and give them a second chance and show them a new way, and we do that without being angry at them or afraid of them, right? the church will be this oasis in a world that is going straight to hell. But we already knew that because we just had Ascension Day. And Jesus says, hey, oh, I wish I had it. Do you have that onion article? Oh, oh the, I was going to print it for you. I was going to print it for you and put it in the bulletin. So I said, hey, do you think this would be, um, uh, uh, do you think this would be a good, uh, a, a good thing? Kirby said, humor is dangerous. <laughs> but the onion, did anybody see it? Jesus Jesus has a, Jesus tests a soft return, you know, comes back temporarily to see whether or not people are, what is it, in test markets, Jesus comes back in test markets to see if the second coming will work, (laughs) Yeah, see only half of you are laughing, that's the reason it wasn't a margin comment, but if you don't get your news from the onion, I don't know where you're going to get it, okay, come on, that is funny, somebody's thinking, right? (laughs) Jesus in test markets with a soft return. Okay, um, Hebrews 13.4. I'm shooting through the end of what I did last time, but then all the way through to the next thing. But now hear, hear every one of these as gift, 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 gift. Right? Or this is who the church is. This is who the church is. This is really good. This is what happens when you get forgiven. This is when Jesus does it all. This is what it's like when you have a community. This is what it's like when God chooses you and gives you a resurrected life. This is what it's like. No matter what everybody else is doing, this is what it's like. Okay, so you get the, this is your big finish. Okay, so um, keep the marriage bed precious, 13.4, or honor it in all respects. So in the ancient world, you know, people could take or leave marriage in many ways, and you remember, you know, just kind of think Roman Empire stuff, um, you know, uh, you know, sort of how the upper classes exploited lower classes and people went to power and eventually the Roman Empire goes poof because people are no longer respectful of that, right? And this note, um, there's a, clinic has a long thing about how sex is actually ritually clean in the Old Testament, and that's born into the New Testament. So, you know, kind of your whole, how you think about sex and, you know, you know, what you're... But there is a point at the Easter vigil where you actually take the Paschal candle in some traditions and plunge it into the font, right? What does that mean? It's Jesus fertilizing the church. Now, here's the thing. If I do that, then, you know, on Easter Monday, I got to explain to Mrs. Hecht why I did that. And I, Jesus is the groom, There was a man, and he was away, and people had lamps, and they fell asleep, and the groom arrived, and then he said, I don't know you. And inside he said, let's party, drop the disco ball. Right, that's in the Bible. So, um, you know, this whole notion, yeah, paraphrased, yes, right. But I mean, uh, you know, it's roughly in the Bible, you know. I've given you, this is last time, so if you didn't grab last time, so you didn't have it, I'm just finishing up. But what I've given you is kind of the paraphrased notion, right? So, 13.5 is... So you basically have this, this thing where it says, keep the marriage bed more precious. Keep marriage more precious. Make ma- marriage more and more and more precious. Explore all the things that are good, like having kids and living in a community and agreeing with grandparents and great parents. And right in this, knows it's always sex and money. So what does he say? Keep honor marriage, marriage more and more and more. And then he says, love money less and less and less. That's 13.5. So keep marriage more precious. Keep money less precious. And the word that I've given you, the Greek word there, where he basically says, not fond of silver. Right, so I mean, what this is all? Eleven, okay. I'm sorry, thirteen five. Keep your life free from love of money. Love money less, and be content with what you have. It really says be satisfied with the present habitually be satisfied with the present. Whatever your day is today, this does not mean you should work shouldn't work hard. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't do your best. This doesn't isn't some slovenly sort of let things. We all know if the world is create if the, if we're sinners and the world is broken, if we don't care for it, it'll all it'll just get worse, right? But that's not the only thing, right? So there's some in every day there's this working hard and doing good and loving other people but it's also relativized because you don't just love money. What does it mean if you don't just love money? It means you can tithe and give alms. It means you can take care of other people, right? What does it mean if you're satisfied with today? It means like, you know, by four, you got to knock off and have a martini with your wife because it's Mother's Day. Whoa, that didn't go. Humor is dangerous. Okay. Okay. Apparently, martinis are... Wait, I was thinking of Father's Day. Sorry, okay, I got that all mixed up, okay. So your habit... Reminder there that what does the Lord do in his spare time? He smashes idols. When he's not praying for you, he's busy smashing idols. If you have idols, it can be your job, it can be your kids, it can be achievement, it can be money, it can be anything forward in confidence okay now i'm at number one there's 17 minutes left we can do it okay (laughs) so i'm at number seven one number one look at this man now this is where everybody gets nervous and i'm surprised any of you actually came to bible study number seven probably is translated remember your leaders here's the more literal translation or more pastors bear whatever responsibility they bear for that you know okay um we confess that. But but here's the thing. This doesn't sound like you. This is no different. I mean, ooh, I'm going this is going to be on humor to danger zone. This is no different than saying do something nice for your mother today. How is your church going to work unless you remember? And as you know, in Hebrew and in Greek, this notion of memory isn't just thinking about something. That cuts your body in, and your, that cuts your body and your mind in half. No, this is like You're sitting around thinking, you should be thinking, what can I do today for my mother, right? doesn't matter what your relationship's like, it's Mother's Day. But it's also, do something nice for the leader who preaches the the word of God to you. So this is a, it's fairly self-explicit, okay? Now here's the thing, just in case you thought um, you're on the hook and I'm off the hook, turn the page. Because this is, in some ways, if I take this the wrong way, I'm not going to be able to live with this. So do something nice for your pastors, and then this imitate your pastor's faith. Now, uh, I should tell them the car story. What? No, that would I should tell them the car story, the new the shop and car story. I'll tell you a story about Kirby. Think about something else. <laughs> this is my this is my this might this could work for you. Just think about something else. I, don't even know what you're I know you don't, but you will as soon as I say it. So you know like. <laughs> So we got a minivan with 212,000 miles in it. You know, I have a deal with Rich Ren. This is great. Wherever it breaks down, Rich is like pastor to me. I said, Rich, I got 212,000 miles. He said, When it breaks down, he said, just have it towed to my place and I will take care of it. I said, This is great. So like, I took Kirby to carmax. I'm like, just sit in a bunch of cars, and um, I said, just sit in a bunch of cars and find one like. So she jumps in the car. She's like, I like this car. And I said, Well, you can't have that car. I said why can't you have that car? I said, because I'm a pastor. She said, why can't I have this car because you're a pastor? I said, because that car's a Lexus. And if you pull up in a Lexus to church, you're going to blow up the voters meeting, right? I'm like, you can't drive a... So, I mean, if you want to give Kirby yes. a solution and says she can drive a Lexus with yeah. 50,000 miles, then it's okay with you. But I'm just like... It was a used Lexus. Okay, okay, it was a used Lexus. <laughs> but the thing is, is like, uh, the, the best line was, what's a Lexus? I'm like my baby. So, so pure a heart, right? On Mother's Day. But see, this is the thing. I mean, my whole life, you know, and I think the other guys too, although they're better at it than I, maybe I'm just more paranoid. I'm like, I'm saying to my kids and to my wife, hey, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't go there. We can't do this. We can't. Because why? Because we don't want to give offense to you. And maybe there'll be a day when that doesn't matter. I also don't want to be, you know, the time and, I mean, sex and money, right? So, you know, Pastor who like you know pulls up in the gold plated Cadillac and then that's a mark of Jesus loves me right and you're just kind of going you got to be kidding me, but I mean the point of this is is it's very di- one of the great gifts that you give to me, I, and I don't think many pastors have this and I see especially given to the young guys, you give them a lot of space like you let them be natural. I'm especially astounded here by how good young parents are to the young pastors right. Because because their kids, what happens is when their kids misbehave, you all just kind of go, that's kids. Now, part of that is because we sort of have this broader understanding that that's kids, right? I mean, we've all agreed that's kids that we're going to live with them. Why? Because we want the kids to be here. Make sense? I mean, it's a remarkable thing. So I read this maybe completely. You, know, you might say this, imitate your pastors, and of course this means only when the pastor does something good, right? Of course it means that. You know, I read this as, I read it to pay attention to my life, right? Um, you know, I don't know how you read it. You probably read it as, maybe I could learn something. But see, I feel the same way. Like, I've learned so much from people in the congregation about how to engage things and move through things. And, but do you see how... We'll be cured on the day that we can both read this, and we will just nod along and say, yeah, that's what we do here. And we're so, so close to that so often. And it's so nice, right? It's just such a nice thing. So I I hope when you read this, you know, you kind of read this. I read this with some kind of great joy. Like, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. And then see, the next line ups the ante. Because why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and today. So yesterday, tomorrow, and today. So So what's the thing that you're supposed to imitate? So I'm supposed to imitate Jesus who is perfect every day since the beginning of time, and will be forever. It's a fairly high bar, okay? So, so I'm Jesus here, and I'm supposed to imitate Jesus, and you're supposed to imitate me. Now, now, here's the thing. You're imitating me when, I just want to be clear, when I'm imitating Jesus, like not the other times, okay? <laughs> like not the other times. Uh, so, so try to hear this in this, this, this joyful sort of way of, this is how the church works and We're all going to help each other get there, and you know when we get over the line, we're going to nod along. We're just going. To, sometimes it's a no call. Sometimes we just play on. I just. It's a nice. It's a very kind of happy thing um, that we've got here. So you know, kind of. D. The measure of your memory, your past, your faith, your imitation is the faithfulness and truthfulness of the love of Jesus. Right. So, you know, just, just, just kind of um, think that through, remembering, you know, I'm a man and not a god. Okay? Number, verse 9. You could translate this faithfully as lots of people are going to try to sell you something with a Jesus label slapped on it. That's exactly the sense of verse 9. Don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. People who, you know, one of the hardest things for me is I've had this happen a couple times. People are starting a business, which is great and somebody has told them along the way that exactly the person to tap is their pastor. I've had people leave the church over this. I've had people leave this church over this. Exactly the person to tap would be, because if I would buy their XYZ thing they're selling, and you're supposed to imitate me, you would buy their XYZ thing, right? So I've had people take me to lunch and say, you know, what I would like to do is start this business, and we have to find these target markets, much like when Jesus is soft, marketing coming back again, and if St. John could be a soft market for this, and if you would do this, you know, I would do this to the church and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, we can't do that. Because that doesn't have, it, it's a neutral. It's like money. Money's a neutral. It depends how you use it. You, money is a complete neutral. It's not, money is not evil. Money is not good. The love of money is horrible. The use of money is good, right? It's the same thing with stuff. So he basically, and this this can be a strange teaching. You know, drink this and Buy this and Jesus will love you more. Or, you know, we, we, were some, we were goofing around on the internet the other day and we saw some pastor's wife who was selling, like, blessed prayer rocks. And if you buy these rocks that have been blessed and you put them in your house, I'm sure your life will completely turn around. I'm like, what? Blessed prayer? That's stupid. So, um, you know, the thing is, is they all knew. I mean, they all knew back then that people are going to... This is a way of corrupting the gospel and using it for your own gain. You should, just, you should just be careful. People are going to slap the Jesus label on things and say you should buy this because it's a Jesus thing. Luther's a great thing. I would rather have a really good pagan king than a really bad Christian king, right? I would rather have a car that runs that was made by pagans than a car run by. I mean, I, this is a true story. We right after we moved in, yeah, this is. I'm bringing back all these bad memories, Kirby. I tell you, I, you know what? It's mother's damn all jacked up about this. We needed some blind tongue. And then you know there was this like, you remember this already. We needed some blind tongue and well I'm not gonna I don't have time to hang him and blah, 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 and get this. And so you know there's 95 guys, and what did we do? We picked the guy with the fishy symbol. And he came over, and from the moment he drew out his drill. We knew that it was the first blinds that he had ever hung. <laughs> and like and then when like the casing around the windows is all split and the drills are out and the shades did you know that if you hang shades on an angle they don't come down did you know that I mean you can pull them out if you want but you know what you still got the kid next door looking at you right through that hey but he had the fishy symbol right I should have said to him sinner Hebrews 13, verse 9. You slapped a Jesus symbol right on top of you. You never did shades before, and I don't know what you're doing here. All right, so just extend that to every other thing in your life. Just try to think it all the way through. All right? Because verse 10 says, the only reliable thing is the altar. Which, I, you know, which I know, I just gave my little, what? Jake, you got a question about that? Don't. Hire him. What's the question? What point is that to taking the Lord's name in vain? You know what I mean? Like a violation of the commandment of... I mean, when people put Scripture... Yeah, here's the thing, man. Yeah, right. Well, here's the thing. With the coming persecution, everybody's going to drop the fishy symbol out of the yellow book and we won't have to worry about that, right? Right. Because pretty soon, Chick-fil-A, if you say I'm a Christian, people are going to not come rather than come. Unless you live in Wheaton, Illinois. Right? Yeah, you're right. Well, at some point... Apparently, Jesus doesn't give any... The Holy Spirit, when he comes next week, has no particular... And you'll be able to use a power drill better if you confess Jesus. I mean, you know. So there is something to it that you're touching something there. I don't want to go there too far, but I would suggest to you that sort it out the Jesus way, right? Byron? I have the impetus on, my, on the website for my newsletter. You do? I didn't even know you had a newsletter. Yeah, I do. Anyway. All right. Yeah and track it. And about every other newsletter two or three people. Check out what the is. Good.: so Welcome to my life. Exactly right. No, I'm being serious, right? So that's the way to put it on. If you're, if you're willing to Steve Chester's truck, right? Come on, That's all I've got to tell you. If you've seen Steve Chester's truck, that's where you want to get your car fixed. I'm just, you know, right? So no, he's got the proverb where it says, the better to do a good job and not love money than to love money and not do a good job, or something like that. That's the rough translation, okay? <laughs> but that's, I mean, right? So, you, yeah, I mean, it's a great observation, which is you tick your life up to another, another level. If you're willing to endure that, but for me that would mean that the guy would come back, take all the casing off, put it up, restain it, and hire somebody else to put my shades up. Right? Which is not the offer he made us, I'm just saying to you, okay? <laughs> Alright, so this is, um, you know, even with, pa- I gave a little chat to the pastors last week and, you know, I, I made their all their eyes roll back in their head. I often say this when I speak other places. I said, and I said, was said to you, and I've said it to you, which is I've only served two places in however many years I've been a pastor. How many is it? Almost 25. The most palpable change in both parishes, I can, I can tell you the most palpable change in both parishes when the parish chose to go from sporadic Eucharist to to Sunday Eucharist, every Sunday to every day. That was the most... It just does something to people because you, the supper can't be wrong. And what happens is, is Lutherans always reject this. And the reason that... Which is why we had a hymnal that had page 5 and 15. Suddenly the Matins office, which has been done for a thousand years, on weekdays. It's a weekday office. Or if it's done, it's done before or in preparation for having the Eucharist. So when I go on retreat in the city, the place, um, if they have you know, the Eucharist at 10, they've had matins at 7, and they probably also had an office at 5 a.m., right? So it's not the main deal. The Lutherans could make it the main deal. Why? Because they got so shook up that preaching was horrible at Luther's time, and that the sacrament had been reduced to you know, just something you get through, that they said, you know, we're going we're gonna to stake our claim on teaching and preaching. Fine, fantastic. It's 500 years later. We've worked it all the way through. We're cured. Okay? So move on, which means I can give you a bad sermon. By the way, Duke's sermon was very nice this morning. I can give you, a, it's very interesting, this notion of, I, I hold the blessing back, and then I give the blessing full blast, and that's how you know everything is going to be okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's cured, right? I can give you a bad sermon. I can't give you a bad Holy Supper. I can give you a bad sermon. I can have a bad sermon. It can be boring. It can be stupid. It can be upside down. If I just follow the book, if I color by numbers, you're going to get a great Eucharist, okay? And that's the reason to have the Eucharist every Sunday. The early church, the disciples would never understand that you didn't do it every Sunday. That's what everybody did every Sunday all the time. This is a place where Lutherans have got it screwed up. They got to come back because you don't privilege one over the other necessarily, but there's something infallible about the supper, right? If you kneel down and say, I'm a damn sinner, nothing can go wrong. And here it is in Hebrews 10. You know, what? you got all these things. You got all these things going on. We got persecution. We got troubles. We're trying to be strong. Here's all the things we need to do. It seems impossible, but Jesus loves us. He forgives everything. And we eat from an altar where people who don't confess this can't eat you get this special power. As Chrysostom said, maybe it's in there today. I think it's in there today or maybe last week or coming up. I can't remember because I read a bunch of these every week. But Chrysostom says, we, we go to the Eucharist and we leave as if we're breathing fire and the devils are afraid of us. That is today. Good. I wasn't, so I was listening to the sermon. I wasn't reading the margin comments. Okay, but there it is. It's in there today. The we book go. Book. Yes, you did, Marilyn. I did not mean anything at all by that. I didn't. <laughs> You were here early. You were here early. I saw that you were. I mean, but look at that. I mean, you, I would, I would, I would. You could not say that about my sermons. Every time. You cannot say, we listen to Bruzek and we leave breathing fire. The devil's are afraid of us. Sometimes we like, like, and then nothing comes out, right? But for a, for a, for a supper, you know, you, you just can't get it wrong. Okay, so, um, you know, go to the Eucharist. And then there is this really long bit, which you already know, which is, Because there were sacrifices and there were bodies and they were burned outside and Jesus went outside and let's go to him and it's outside and it's inside and continually offer up praise to him and do good and don't neglect good. 16, because these sacrifices are pleasing to him. You already knew all of that. Let's go. And I just want to note there that let's do good and share is the words that he's been using for tithing and alms all through Hebrew. So he basically says... Go out, do good, and make sure you're generous with other people. It all fits together. You don't have idols, you have Jesus. You're content with what you've had, so you've got enough. You work hard, you do a good job, you relax into the day. God will provide for you. It's going to be fine. When you're weak, look at other Christians. Look at your pastor. Look to Christ. Christ is always the same. Go to the Eucharist. You see, this isn't some list of things you've got to do. This is what your life looks like. If you're going to be a community, if you're going to be a church, this is what everybody does. They go to the altar because Christ doesn't change. Your pastor can fail you. Your congregation can fail you. Your wife, your husband, your kids, they can all fail you. What doesn't fail you is go to the altar, which is why we have the Eucharist every time. This is just, it's just impossible to get this wrong. And then I just want to add this too. And, you know, next time you get a pastor, you should think about this. Um... Obey your leaders and submit to them. They have to keep watch over you. They have to give account to God for everything. It's really interesting. I have to give account to God, for example, for every person I've ever communed. Or I have to give account to God for every person that I've ever heard confession from and pronounced absolution to. I mean, that sort of relativizes this notion that anybody can do anything anytime they want. Um, Part of being a pastor is, you know, my experience at the pearly gates is going to be different from yours because... Any Eucharist I've celebrated, any confession I've heard, any prayer I've left unsaid, I have to answer for. This is why I hope there's purgatory and I welcome it. I also hope it's over instantaneously. (laughs) Because those Catholic commercials where you're sitting around watching your sins go by, that gives me the heebies and the jeebies, right? Because if we all have to sit and watch all the bad things we did, I mean, but this whole notion of 1 Corinthians, the beginning of 1 Corinthians where you're cleansed and whatever good goes with you, and everybody rejoices in it. Norm, you know, you're back. It's great, right? So, um, obey your leaders and submit to them. Um, did I translate that? Yield to them. By the way, just, the force of, just so that you know here, the Greek, the Greek has different, um, it's not just active and passive. They have a middle tense, okay? As easy as I can say this, active is when you do something, passive is when somebody does something to you. So, you know, active, active as I'm running; passive as somebody touches you, it's done to you. But there's this middle form of the Greek, and the middle form means you've come to this willingly, or in this case, at least, you kind of thought it over and you agree with that. So basically, what he's saying to you is, "Obey." Your, it doesn't come in English very well, but "obey" passions, submit to them. There's a, it relativizes it a couple ways. One is this is like he's basically saying. This is what you agreed to. This is what you were convinced of. It's hard sometimes, but go ahead and do it because this is what's good for you and good for them and this is what you agreed to and this is what you got in your baptism. This is what you got at the altar and this is how Christians live. That's all bundled up in there. So it is not my job. This is like when somebody doesn't come to church and then they get mad at me, right? It's not my job to come to church for other people. I mean, my job is to have church, My job is to be at the altar. My job is not to make other people... If somebody doesn't come to church, hey, it's not my fault. It could be my fault if I'm a complete jerk. I mean, I could put... But I mean, in general, if you follow the book, right? So, and then the interesting thing is if you just keep pushing that where it says I need to keep watch over you, you know what that's actually talking about? It's actually talking about that your pastor's job is to pray for you. If you go back and look at where this verb is used in other places in the Scripture, I gave you a couple of them, including Daniel nine, where Daniel just pours himself out for this whole chapter. And if you said, if you said to people, "This is what's so... Oh boy, we do not have enough time. This is what's so screwed up in the church." Because in every generation since I've been a pastor, and I'm getting toward the end, and so I've seen enough that I can actually say this. You know, in the 60s, all the pastors wanted to be rebels. In the 70s, they all wanted to be therapists. In the 80s, they all wanted to be businesses. You could tell by guys' business cards. You could write a PhD dissertation on pastors just by looking at their business cards and what they favor, okay? So here's the thing. You know what it's really about? It's nice if your pastor can lead. It's nice if he can get a the subject and a verb in a sentence. It's nice if he's got a little bit of disruptor in him. It's nice if he can, knows enough to refer you to a good therapist. But you know what your pastor is supposed to be doing for you? He's supposed to be going to the altar and praying for you. I bet you that's not the job to watch over you. But the way he keeps a watch over you is praying for you. I've found my prayers in these last few years to be exhausting. I found them to be difficult. I found them to wear me out. Because... I'm more aware of all the things that need to be prayed for in you and in me. It's so, Don't say it. Don't ah! <laughs> no, don't say anything except to the baby Jesus, okay. which is you can pray for them. Now, why is that? Because you have this broader thing, and you actually have the wisdom of yours, and you can say, man, if you keep doing that, that is not going to end well. But you're supposed to say it to Jesus, not to them, Okay. <laughs> back for him, And then when you do that, you can go back and read the other things. It all works out. And it even works out in a world where things aren't on your side, where you're not in charge, which is frankly okay, because um, it's hard enough to run the church, more difficult still to run a state. Okay, there you go. Next week and the next week, voters may not deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks. See ya.